Thank you, Jenna and Gabby. It's my, uh, my favorite Christmas song right there. And uh, Gabby, you ought to be really happy. She won't let me sing that with her. <coughs> so you're a blessed little child. <coughs> uh, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to open them with me to the book of Luke chapter 2. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, and um, actually this morning, um, Brother Chuck came in yesterday while I was doing some work over in the office and asked what I was going to preach on, and I actually planned on preaching on A Holy Night. Um, it's a great song, has a great message uh, to that, and um, I just kept being drawn back to uh, Luke chapter 2, though, um, and, and to something a little bit different, and so last night... Uh, as uh, my family and I were watching Samson, uh, Netflix original, by the way. Uh, if you have Netflix, I encourage you to watch Samson. They, they, they followed the biblical narrative very, very close. I mean, it was really close uh, to what the biblical narrative says. It's a good movie. But anyway, while we were watching that, I was, uh, had these thoughts on my mind, and, and I kept coming back to the message um, that the Lord led me to preach two weeks ago called, in, called Finding Christmas. And, and specifically, um, what, what needs to happen in our lives in order for us to find Christmas in a culture that kind of buries the real meaning of Christmas underneath everything else. I mean, the real meaning of Christmas being the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is kind of 
um, takes a back seat to everything else that we do uh, during this season. And so a couple weeks ago, the Lord uh, laid a message on my heart, and we looked at the story of Simeon uh, from Luke chapter 2, and, and we saw three things that had to happen in order for us to truly find the Christ of Christmas during a Christmas season. Uh, the first thing is you have to look and find. If you look for him, you'll find him. Uh, but it's also uh, not just to look for him. You have to look for him in the right place. And in our culture uh, and in our world, there are two places. Now, there may be others, but there are two places for sure where you ought to be able to find Jesus in Christmas. And, and one of those um, is in his church. And I made this very clear. If you go to church and you don't find Christ in church, you need to go to a different church because that's what the church is all about. Uh, and so you ought to find Christ in the church, but the other place is, is in his word. And those are two places that no matter what's going on in Christmas, no matter how much our time is taken away from us and everything else, in those two areas, we ought to be able to find Christ at Christmas. And then when we do find him, you have to receive him personally. And that was the last thing we really looked at from the story of Simeon. And Simeon took the child and received him personally for himself. And, and the idea is... You won't find the Christ of Christmas vicariously through someone else. And what I mean by that is, is just because someone else finds the Christ of Christmas doesn't mean you're going to. It, just because your husband finds the Christ of Christmas doesn't mean you're going to. Or just because your wife does or your children does or your parents do or your aunts or your uncles or whoever, just because they have an experience with Christ over Christmas doesn't mean you're going to unless you look for him, you find him, and you receive him personally. That was the message a couple weeks ago uh, for those of you who weren't here. But I kept being brought back to that idea and that theme, and I kept coming up with this question, what then? What then? What happens after someone has a real experience with the Christ of Christmas? What takes place then when you do find the Christ of Christmas? And I was led to this passage also in Luke chapter 2, looking at the second group of people I mentioned two weeks ago that actually do find the Christ of Christmas. And in this case, we not only see them finding the Christ of Christmas, but we see what naturally results from anyone who finds the Christ of Christmas, what that will yield in your life the way it did for them. And so if you have your Bibles open in Luke chapter 2, I'm going to ask if you would stand with me for the reading of God's Word this morning. I'm going to start down in verse 8, and I'm going to read through verse 20 of Luke chapter 2 this morning. The Word of God says in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, Now there were in the same country shepherds, living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news, or good tidings, of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the Lord has made known to us. 
And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told by them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Let's pray. God, today I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. And now as we spend some time this morning examining your word, I pray that I decrease and your spirit living in me uh, would increase and that the words to be shared today would be yours and not mine. And they will find the place you have for them in the hearts and lives of your people. And that, Father, we would respond how you lead us to respond is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Okay, so we have this, this story of the shepherds, very common story. We hear it all the time at Christmas. We, we know they were out in the fields. We know that uh, they were minding their own business, tending their sheep, doing what shepherds do. Um, and then all of a sudden, this angel of the Lord appeared to them, gives them this great news. And as soon as they hear this great news, then a, um, a, a mighty heavenly host, we, we don't know how many that is, uh, a host generally, scripturally, is a large number. So a large number of a heavenly host came and began to sing the first Christmas carol, <laughs> if you will. Uh, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. And, and the heavenly hosts leave and then the, the shepherds, and I've always found this intriguing, uh, decided they were going to go and find the babe Jesus the way they were told. And they don't just casually go. It says they made haste and they went quickly. Uh, they basically ran, if you will, uh, to get to the city of David to find what had been told to them. They get there, they find Jesus, they find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. They find him, they tell people what had happened, and after they see him, they, they depart. And when they depart, we see three things that they do that I believe naturally comes to those or will come out of those who truly have an encounter with Christ. When they find the Christ of Christmas, this is what naturally results. The first thing that I want you to see is found in verse 20. And it says that when they left, they left glorifying God. That's the first thing. Anyone that has an experience or an encounter where they personally encounter Jesus Christ is going to glorify God. Now, when we say the word glorified, that's a, that's a very interesting word in the Greek because we use that word a lot, but I'm not sure that we truly understand what that means. You see, to glorify something in the sense in which this was written in the original language means to hold in high honor. It means to, to make glorious, to adorn uh, with luster. It means to clothe them with splendor, uh, literally to render something as excellent and impart glory unto it. Now, that's the, the definition of glorified in the original language, and it basically means to give something or someone the most exalted state in your life. That's what it means to glorify something. It means to, to lift them up and exalt them higher than anything else in your life. And that's what the shepherds did when they found Christ. When they had an experience, a personal experience with Christ, they left 
glorifying, exalting God. They, they were giving God the highest exaltation in their life. Now, why would they do that? Why would they, why would anyone who has an encounter with Christ naturally yield glorifying God? Well, you have to remember why they would do this is actually found back in verses 10 and 11. Look there with me real quick. It says, And then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy, which will be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now I want you to know something about these shepherds. Shepherds in that day weren't <coughs> considered uh, smart. They weren't wise men. They're, they're shepherds. They weren't highly educated. Yet these shepherds knew God's word. Now how do I know that? They knew God's word because they knew where the city of David is. You see, the city of David is described very clearly in the Old Testament. The city of David is Bethlehem, and that's where they go. So it didn't say Bethlehem. That's what the angels told them. For to you this day in the city of David, a Savior is born who is Christ the Lord. These shepherds knew where to go. They knew to go to Bethlehem to find this shepherd. And so while they were just shepherds, they still had an understanding of the Word of God because of their lineage and who they were from, they also would have known because of that that there had long been promised a Messiah. They, they knew from the Old Testament and what they'd been taught growing up as kids or from their families or in religious rituals that they would attend that there was coming a Messiah. That's what the Old Testament pointed to, and they knew that. And so these shepherds who had grown up hearing these stories about the promised Messiah that was going to come, now they have not only heard that he's been, being, that he's going, he's been born, but now they've went and found him. They've seen him for themselves, they've received him for themselves, and they left. And the natural reaction to that is to glorify God because God sent them a Savior that had long been promised to them. Anyone who has an account or encounter with Christ is going to glorify God. See, before that, though, these shepherds probably didn't really glorify God. Remember what glorifying God is. That's giving something the most exalted state in your life. Now, as shepherds, they didn't have a lot of possessions, but what they were dependent upon was their sheep. So there's a very high likelihood that what these shepherds glorified was their possession, their sheep, because their livelihood depended upon their sheep. And if they lost their sheep, then they were in trouble financially, maybe to the point of going broke and losing all their financial means. And so they, they more than likely, in their life, going through their day, going through what they were doing, had been glorified anything and everything but God. But now they've had an encounter with the promise of God. They've seen him for themselves. And now all of a sudden, something changes. And I want you to know that's what happens to someone who has an encounter with Christ. Who and what you glorify will change. You see, right now, you and I, we, we glorify a lot of things in our lives before we know Christ. And some of us are guilty of doing this even after we've had an encounter with Christ. But we glorify lots of things. Some of us glorify money. 
that's the most exalted thing in our life. For some of us, it's our possessions um, are the most exalted things in our life. Some people, it's our career or our job. Uh, for others, it's family or relationships or uh, popularity or fame or, or whatever you want to fill in there. And that's what we put as the top priority in our life. That is what we glorify. And we're really no people that do that are really no different than the shepherds, except when the shepherds had an encounter with Christ, it changed. And, and what concerns me <clears throat> is to see a world full of people who think they've had an encounter with Christ, but what they exalt hasn't changed. Because here, here's what I mean by that. You won't find an example in Scripture of someone who had an encounter with Christ where they received him personally that it didn't change who they were and what they glorified. Uh, Paul's a great example. Peter and his brother, Andrew, are great examples. Fishermen who became fishers of men. Paul, who was a persecutor of the church, became an evangelist and a missionary to the, to the Gentiles for the church. We, we've seen this, yet, yet you do have examples of people who met Christ, had an encounter with him, but didn't receive him personally, and what's the difference? Nothing changed. Here's, here's an example of that. The, the rich young ruler who came to Christ and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, to love the Lord your God, he tells him all that, oh, I've kept all the, he says, keep the commandments, I've kept all the commandments. And, and he said, one thing you lack, sell everything you have to the poor and follow me. And what's the Bible say happened? That he went, up, went away disappointed or basically sad because he had great wealth. See the difference? Anyone who has a true encounter with Christ, it's going to lead to a new, to something new taking the glorified status in your life. And that's what happens with the shepherds. So when you and I find the Christ of Christmas, I can assure you if we truly do, it's going to change things in your life. The second thing that we know that happens is also found in verse 20. Not only did they glorify God, but it says that when they left, they went about praising God. Now, this is different. Glorifying and praising are two different things. Now, at first glance, most of us would say, oh, there we go. They left singing. And, and, and they did, because praising does in one sense mean singing. As a matter of fact, we're going to talk about this in a second, but the word for praise actually has two meanings, and they're both very um, relevant to, to our text, and so it probably means uh, both. And here's the thing about singing when it comes to meeting God. I know people who don't like to sing, but I will tell you what singing comes from. True, true singing from, it comes from joy. When your heart's happy, when, you, when you've got joy about something, uh, you just kind of randomly burst out into a song about something. That, that comes from a heart that's overfilled. I mean, as a Christian, there's a lot of reasons why we sing. And I mean, uh, we, we sing because we're happy. We sing because we're free, right? We sing because we have a Savior who saved me. We, there's lots of reasons why we sing. And, and here, they've had an encounter with Christ, and it says that they went about, they're, they're, they left, and they praised the Lord. Look at, look at it in verse 20. 
Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. Now, I said that that word has a dual meaning, and both are re relevant here. The first to, to praise in the Greek language that's written in, uh, the first way is to sing. It, it does mean to sing in honor of something. Not just random, but actually to sing in honor of something. In this case, the shepherds praise God in honor of something. Well, what would they be singing praise to honor him? What did he do to warrant them singing praise to honor him? Go back to verse 11. For today, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ, the anointed, the Lord. What, what did happen in order for them to leave praising God, giving honor to him? He sent a Savior that they'd been waiting for, and they've seen him. They've received him, and so now they are praising him. They're giving honor to God for what he did through song, and, and that's one of the ways they did that. But the other way in which it means to praise is not just singing songs, but to praise also means to speak with enthusiasm. To speak with enthusiasm. Now, it, it means to speak with excitement because of something you've seen, you've done, or something you've experienced. Now, have you ever had something that you've saw or something you've done or something you've experienced where you just had to go tell someone about that? Now, when you do go tell someone about that, do you do it with a spirit of indifference, or do you do it with a spirit of excitement? You can answer. Excitement. Yeah, excitement. I, I can tell you one of the times I remember very vividly where I just had to tell somebody something was I hit a hole in one on the golf course. Now, I, Brother Ivan, how many hole in ones you got, Ivan? Yeah, and he's... <clears throat> we're talking about in real life, not in our dreams, but anyway... No, I was really making a point. Ivan, do you have a hole-in-one? No, he, he doesn't. And that's, they're hard to get. I mean, there's a bunch of guys. That, and my biggest fear, and you can ask my mom this uh, morning, because she's the one that would drop me off at the golf course. One of my biggest fears was I was going to hit a hole-in-one with no one there to see it. Because I played a lot of golf by myself growing up. A lot. And here's the deal about a hole-in-one. If no one sees it, it don't count. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. If no one sees it, it doesn't count. And I was horrified that I was going to hit a hole-in-one and no one was going to see it. But when I hit my hole-in-one, I had witnesses. Praise be to God. And I remember uh, I went and I thought it went over the back of the green. And uh, the, my partner was like, you just hit that in the hole. I said, no, it's over the back of the green. And we picked up our bags and started walking towards the hole. And this is how I know I did it. The group in front of us on the next tee box turned around off the tee box and started walking back to the green. That's when I knew, hey, I think I might have actually hit a hole-in-one. And they heard the ball hit the pin, and they turned around and saw it fall into the hole. And so I had all these witnesses, and they were all signed my scorecards, so it's an official hole-in-one. Guess who the what the first thing it was I did when I picked up my ball out of, the, out of the hole? I grabbed my phone, and I called my parents. You're never going to believe what I just did. What would you do? I hit a hole in one. Mom, was I excited or was I indifferent? I was a little excited. Yeah, I was a little excited. Why? Because when you have an experience with something that means something to you, you speak about it with a spirit of enthusiasm. 
And that's what they do. When they left after having their experience with Christ, they went about and left going back, praising God. Some of that was in song, but a lot of it was just in enthusiastic speech. And I wonder, how often do we go about speaking of God and his salvation with enthusiasm? I don't know about you guys. I, I know I'm not nearly as old as some people in this room. And for some people, I'm a lot. I'm really old for others. But I've been a Christian since 1989, almost 30 years. And I've gone to church pretty consistently since then, and very consistently since 1996 the year I surrendered to preach or to be a minister. And sometimes we just get kind of dull to the message that we hear over and over and over again. Man, I pray that our spirits would be lifted this Christmas to speak enthusiastically of what it really means the birth of our Savior. And that we wouldn't say, oh, yeah, it's the birth of Christ, just another Christmas. Well, this morning there was a gentleman that came in needing a little bit of help, needed some gas. Wanted, he was homeless. He was on his way uh, to Guymon, Oklahoma, needing a little bit of gas and asked if I would buy him a little bit of food. And I, I took him down to the convenience store, and I was talking to the clerk in the convenience store this morning uh, about 9.30 this morning, 9.45, whatever time that was. I asked the clerk, I said, um, are you ready for Christmas? And he went, I'm ready for it to be over. And he said, and I don't mean that to sound bad, it's just, and he kind of took an exhale, and I was like, I know exactly what you mean. Because sometimes Christmas is so full of stuff, and so we've got so much going on, it's almost like, ah, can we just get this over with already? And, and, and when we do that, I got to thinking, man, I'm about to preach a message on being enthusiastic about the real reason for the season. And I said, you know what? I'm the preacher down here at the Baptist Church, and I've been talking to my church about this, and I'm going to talk about it this morning, is that we, in those times where we're just ready for Christmas to be over, we need to really sit back and remember what it really is all about. And it's the birth of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we ought to be excited about that. And he went, you know what? You're right. And, and I, I was sitting there thinking, man, that's, that's what we need. We need to be excited when we encounter Christ at Christmas, and we should when we, what, you, what comes from that, we glorify God, we, he, we give him the exalted state, and then we praise God, whether or not that's in song or just speaking enthusiastically about what it is, that's what happened. And then the third thing, and the very last thing uh, that I want to share with you this morning is actually I want to tie it in to back to verse 17, but I believe it actually happened in verse 22. Um, but go back to verse 17, because I think there's a third thing that will happen when you and I have an encounter with Christ. Look at verse 17. It says, Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. Now, that, that's, that's important, widely known. It means they were telling everyone. Verse 17 is the foundational verse to one of the most famous Christmas hymns that we do a lot. As a matter of fact, I'm going to ask Chuck and Nedra if we can dismiss with this song this morning. 
It's go tell it on the mountain. Go tell it on the mountain. The foundational verse for that whole song is verse 17. That after they saw him, they made widely known. Now, here's, here's why I want to tie it back into verse 20. Verse 20 says they were glorifying, praising God. Well, praising, if praising God is to speak excitingly about something, who did they go and glorify God to and praise God to? Now, there's in a sense to themselves. But if we saw them excited in verse 17 telling everyone, what do you think they did in verse 20 as they headed back to their fields? They, I have a feeling we're still telling everyone. They literally went and told it on the mountain. And, and that's where we get that, that hymn from. And, and that's exactly what they did. They went and told others about it. But here's what I want you to note about all of that, about telling others. Natural yield comes from having an encounter with Christ. Yes, glorifying God, yes. Praising God, yes. The third thing, though, is telling others about it. Here's, here's what I want you to see. No one had to tell them to do that. The, the angels didn't say a word. Go find him. Glorify God because you do. Praise God because of it. And then go tell everybody else what you saw. The angels don't tell them anything other than where he's at. Using, by the way, an Old Testament scripture, the city of David, that's all they're told. Yet when they encounter Christ, they receive him, then they leave they glorify God, giving him the most highest exaltation in their life. They praise him through song and speaking enthusiastically about what they saw. And then they tell everyone else, and no one had to tell them to do that. When you and I have an encounter with Christ, no one has to tell you to tell others about it. I'm a little concerned with people who are Christians who don't tell other people about Jesus. Because they had an encounter with Christ and weren't told to do it and did it anyway. We've had an encounter with Christ and we've been told over and over to do that. And, and it really makes me wonder Sometimes. This is not conviction towards you. This is me. They encountered Christ and they were excited about it and they told others without having to be told to. We encounter Christ. We study the Word of God. We know the Great Commission by heart. And we've been told to go tell others. And we still don't. That's, that's a concern of mine. And, and so what do we do about that? What do we do about that concern? I can't tell you what you need to do about that. Only God can tell you what you need to do about that concern. What I can tell you is that I know what God's telling me that I need to do about that. And that is that when I've encountered Christ, 
I need to glorify him and I need to praise him and I need to tell others about him. But because I get numb to the message over and over and over again so much, here's what I need to remember. I need to every day, every day, spend time remembering what Jesus did for me every day. You know, that's why the Lord's Supper was instituted, was that they would have time set aside to remember what Jesus did for them. That's what I need to do. I don't know what you need to do, but what I do know is that when you and I, anyone who has a true encounter with Christ, it's going to lead them to glorifying God, it's going to lead them to praising God to others, and it's going to lead to them telling others about him.